Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wonder Gold, soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leba. Joining me, as always, my co-hosts and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, the three of us are going to go on a nice handicapping adventure. Midweek Premier League is back, ladies and gentlemen. The festive fixtures are right around the corner. It's going to be a fun couple weeks here uh, as we go through every Premier League match. Every week, whether it falls on Saturday, whether it falls on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, Anthony, we're going to be there for you, dear listener, going through uh, the match. But before we do that and break down these 10 Premier League matches coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, and Bet365 does not do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, see for yourself when you sign up today with the promo code ACTION, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older, and you must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Like I said, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, are the midweek fixtures. We're going to actually start, though, on Wednesday with uh, a couple of the headliners, including Manchester United at plus 190, home underdog hosting Chelsea, plus 140. Uh, the draw here is plus 240. It's a funny thing about betting. Uh, if, you, if you've been listening to us this season, I mean, if you've been listening to, to BJ, forever uh you know that we've been skeptical of manchester united from a betting perspective skeptical maybe is even kind that would be an understatement it would be an understatement but this is what makes betting so beautiful everything comes down to the price and manchester united is a plus 190 home underdog on the three-way money line bj it seems a little ridiculous it, it it does because the injury situation that's present with Manchester United hasn't changed. So this opened at around a pick 'em. United was actually plus one fifty. Of course, they go to Newcastle and get trucked, which we all in this podcast thought was going to happen. And Chelsea beats Brighton, although they weren't that great for the second half. And suddenly now Chelsea's a plus one thirty road favorite. And I don't understand what they've done to deserve this type of price. Now. 
from a game, from a tactical point of view for Manchester United, they can't build out of the back right now, which is actually, I think, in this match is kind of a good thing because Chelsea, for large parts of the season, has struggled in transition defense. And the reality was is United was never going to build out through their pressure anyway. So what United's been doing is essentially just they get the ball to the center backs, they try to overload the last line of defense, and they just send long balls up, and they just try to win duels and second balls and get Rashford going forward and Granacho and all everybody. So, again, they got trucked in Newcastle. They've played three straight away matches, and now the market has said, wait, wait, hold on. Manchester United's actually terrible now, when for the better part of now two years, they've been pricing them as a big six club who has spent a lot of money, who has a lot of talent, but it's very clear on the field, as we've seen throughout the season, that they're just not that good. Now, Chelsea's underlying metrics are obviously very good. It's been, in, it's twofold. It's number one, they can't finish off any of their chances because they don't have a striker. That's been true since day one. And a lot of their metrics have been inflated because of that Tottenham match, too, when they were, uh, Tottenham had nine men and playing the high line, and Chelsea just kept getting chance after chance after chance. But I don't remember the last time I've actually placed a wager on Manchester United, Michael. I'd have to go back and look. It's, I think you might, might have to go back to the old Ganesh All-Star days uh, to find one. But I think I have to do it here because I have this projected right out of Pickham. And when it opened, I said, okay, that's probably the right number. Cool, I can just pass on this and move on. But the market is continually steadily going towards Chelsea. And I don't really understand it. I don't think there's really anything that they've shown us this season that they deserve to be a road favorite at Old Trafford, where United has played better uh, the last two years. Not against Galatasaray. That's true. Well, the thing is, and that's another point, is like the, you know, we mentioned, obviously, United opened as a road favorite at Galatasaray, and then everybody in the market just said, hold on, wait, no, they're terrible. This needs to be priced at a pick and they got corrected. And so, seemingly, it got corrected as well for the Chelsea match, and then it just swung the other way. And now I'm like, oh, crap. Now I have to bet Manchester United, which is something I don't really want to do. And I've said so many bad things about them on this podcast that I have to take them all back for this one match and say, wait, hold on. Those aren't the problems that we've been talking about. But again, the price is a little crazy. So I like United, pick them uh, at plus 125. It's interesting when you compare like, you know, our, our show to like an NFL podcast or something where they talk about, you know, uh, all the 32 teams over the course of 16 weeks and the market has dramatic uh, reactions to certain data points because there's fewer of them. And so you may be anti Green Bay at the beginning of the year, but then you become a huge Green Bay person by the end of the year, for example. And in soccer, it's less that way because, you know, there's just more data points. We know these club teams pretty well. We talk about them, you know, once a week for nine months out of the year. Not much changes from one week to the next. And so a lot of times we just have opinions on teams that are off market and we bet those opinions over and over and over again. <clears throat> This is like a rare occurrence for me, though, where I actually kind of agree. Now it has I'm, I'm higher than the market, uh, and I think higher than BJ uh, on Chelsea. So I, I do have the Blues favorite here on the road. I don't have uh, the data to update yet off of Chelsea Brighton. I don't think much would have changed there. We had 45 minutes of of 10 of the 11, so not much to glean from that. They scored twice off set pieces against Brighton. Again, like don't really read much into that. You know, they didn't do a great job of controlling the match in the first half from what I, from the parts of the match that I saw. The problem is like, yeah, United's probably better off not having the ball, better off not trying to play through pressure, like you said, BJ. So from a matchup perspective, I don't really come down on any strong take on this match. And I'm trying to be better with not forcing plays just because it's the biggest match of the week. So uh, as of right now, I'm going to pass here. I do think the total's a touch low just because, you, you know, these two yeah. and a half United totals are ridiculous given how they played defensively. They are literally a bottom five defense by any metric and expected goals uh, that you look at. And by, you know, even like ball progression data, they're a bottom half defense. So they can see a two and a half XG over the weekend. It's not getting better. I don't think this is a great matchup for them either, at least in terms of like the fact that they have struggled to deal with balls in behind all year long. And that's exactly what Chelsea wants to do. So I do think that there's some, maybe some value on the over. Uh, this, there's still a rogue minus 145 over two and a half. I think that's short. The rest of the market's close to like 165, 170. That's about where I'd have it. So, you know, it's a little bit short, maybe, if you find the right number. This could also be a good live over game if it starts slow, because I don't think either defense can really hold a lead right now. So, 
certain ways to look at this one, but uh, ultimately for me, unless United gets to plus money on the draw, no bet, uh, and maybe even like plus 115, plus 120, then I would hop in. But right now it's going to be a pass for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be with BJ here. I, I think United's worth the bet. At home, the one thing, I mean, the fixtures end up piling up here for, well, I mean, this is going to be a point we're going to be making for a bunch of teams as we go through these uh, midweek matches as as we get closer to boxing day and, and, and new year's day etc with uh with teams that are still in europe but the travel for united too like you sometimes it's we're we're talking about yeah like arsenal went to paris and back it's not that bad but going to istanbul and back and then playing a game and then playing again a couple days later it, it does wear the wear and tear comes into play here um but i still think that this number on united is more than actionable uh, so I'll I'll take them on the money line here. I think that Chelsea's also not a team I want to bet as a favorite <laughs> ever right now. Like they they they're, they're I, I don't trust them. I know they yeah. ended up being a good team today, but it's not not how they profile. Uh, yeah, they did have to play down a man. They had one less day of rest. Uh, United had all kinds of bus issues getting to. They had to cancel their flight and take a bus to Newcastle to get there on Saturday. So definitely ended up being a pretty bad spot for them. But they do get the extra day of rest. Uh, Chris and Kunku, by the way, may make his Chelsea debut. That's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, so keep that in mind, and and something that I, I will mean, absolutely be excited to see if he does. Yeah, but even so, I don't think that that's the type of thing that would scare me off of betting. You know, oh no, it, because because he's not going to play a full ninety. Like he, no, no, he's playing, no, he'd he's be playing his yeah. His, yeah. Uh, all right, another Wednesday game. Uh, another headliner for the midweek fixtures is uh, Villa hosting. Man City, uh, the villains, Unai Emery's villains, uh, plus 350 at home. City traveling at minus 143. And the draw is sitting at uh, plus 320. Three draws in a row now uh, for City uh, after a 3-3, uh, a, a, a wild one with, with Tottenham. Tried to tell Anthony that, you know, this Tottenham team had, had more to give. They had more to give, and, and they were going to be dangerous against Spurs and uh, against City. And, Lo and always are. Were. They always the are. Bogey team narrative continues. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Spurs later. We're ending with Spurs this week, which is exciting because of who I may be betting in that match. Villa, by the way, <laughs> they just they just keep trucking on. Uh, Not exactly. Hold on a second. I want to take a victory lap. <laughs> I got Go my right first ahead. head. That's I got what my, the show's I got all my, about. The show's uh, all about victory they laps. Keep, they, keep, they keep trucking on. I got my first yeah. head-to-head win against BJ uh, since... Uh, you since, know what? Uh, no. Since the Premier League was founded. <laughs> yeah, no, congratulations. That, that was terrible. Actually, I will truthfully I will say that was a bad bet by me. It was a bad spot. Bournemouth deserved the draw. Congratulations. Deserved the win, I thought. Well, there's some bar decisions yeah. that, you know. He was outside. We, we, we had missed two sitters. Okay. Either way. I said two draw against against Bournemouth. Uh for Villa. They keep they just keep picking up points. I, they're five back. I mean, this is a, in terms of the table, it's a, it's a, it's as big a game as you can get uh, at this junction of the season. Uh, City needs a win, pretty desperately, I would say here. Um, they could find themselves six points back. Arsenal. When have we seen that before? Um, as we head towards, oh, it, towards it could be the season. <laughs> as we head towards Christmas, uh, I kind of want it. I want to get to City here, but I think this looks about right um and if i if, if you are betting city i i, I wouldn't be afraid of uh, a route here they're they're gonna be all yeah. sorts of testy um after the way that game ended uh bj what do you think i actually do like aston villa here i'm gonna hop back on the train uh they're boys this has been well i don't know why you guys aren't on the train because this is our boy from a long from a long time on this podcast um but it's a really tough run of fixtures for city I mean, they're obviously, they're used to playing, you know, big match after big match after big match, but Chelsea, Liverpool, Leipzig, Tottenham, all back to back to back, and then having to travel to Aston Villa for midweek, that's that's really, really draining for them. And now, they're going to be without Rodri for this match. They're going to be without Grealish for this match. It looked like Doku picked up an injury, so they potentially will be without him as well. Um, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar. But Aston Villa has won 13 straight matches at home in the Premier League. Their last loss came last February to Arsenal. 
It's a crazy, oh, it's a crazy, crazy run. Um, and I think the loss of Rodri in this match is pretty massive to City. To you know, he's, I think he is their most important player so far this season. 123 passes in the final third, 104 progressive passes. Next closest is Kyle Walker, Walker who has 66 in both of those categories. And I'm not really sure Pep has a like for like swap for Rodri. Like he could go Rico Lewis and give City a lot of ball progression and, and get those you know progressive passes going forward, but then you lose your ball stopping. You could play Kovacic in that role, but he's not really that good of a ball, ball progressor. So it's kind of a conundrum that I'm not sure he's going to have figured out. And also not having a game changer like Relish or Doku to make runs off the back line down the left-hand wing when Villa's going to play that dangerous high line is kind of concerning for City on how yep. they're going to get at Villa. And Villa's just going to sit. They're going to do exactly what pretty much every team has done to City this year, except for Tottenham, apparently, um, is just sit in some compact, narrow defensive shape, which will be a 4-4-2. And they're just going to limit central progression. They're going to feed the ball out wide, and they're just going to dare City to break to break them down from wide areas. And without Grealish and without Doku, that's a problem for City right now. So yeah. uh, I do like the price on Aston Villa. Um, they're a very tactically uh, diverse team. You know, obviously they do like to build build on the back on goal kicks, but since Unai Emery has taken over, there's been 16 matches where they've held under 50% possession. They're 9-1-6 in those 16 matches. So uh, I think that Aston Villa does have a pretty good game plan here. I think with City missing a lot of key players, I think it's a good spot to pick them off once again, especially going through this really tough, tough run of fixtures. So, uh, And I only have City at minus 110. So I do like Villa plus a half at uh, plus 120. Here's the thing. like We talk about home Villa. And it's true. They have been really good at home. Their home schedule has been pretty weak this year. And that's the only thing that kind of scares me uh, in this matchup, in this spot, and why I actually thought and hoped we'd get City cheap off of those injuries and slash suspensions with Rodri out and Grealish definitely out and Doku likely out. This City team just doesn't have the horses to, to break down teams and play those passes in behind. Who is the outlet? Because when you play Villa, if you have the outlet, you can tear this defense to shreds. Tottenham's done it. Uh, Newcastle's done it. Liverpool's done it. But going to Villa without that true outlet outlet, it's a lot harder. And we've seen when when Pep, it's kind of like Pep does this little bit of a tell. Like when he puts both Grealish and Doku in the game, you're screwed because they're going to just destroy you and attack. They're going to take more chances. They're going to be more. That's the aggressive city. Normally he plays one of two. And that's like generic city. And then when he, there have been matches this year where he has not played either. And it has been a slog for them to do anything in attack. Like you go back to uh, the Newcastle match, which is one most notable, like Foden Alvarez played in that match, but they did nothing. They were, they were not able to play those balls. And behind uh, that Newcastle defense, they were very passive in possession, took no risk. And I kind of think Pep takes the similar approach here. So uh, I'm, I'm tempted by the under. The under's over three. I don't really have this much over three. So three and a quarter is where it's sitting. Like minus 120. That's really tempting to me. But no match in this league ever goes over uh, under anymore. <laughs> so it's it's really hard. Like they should be paying out like two to one on unders. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like sweating out a Palace West Ham under this morning. I'm like, you know, felt like I went through hell to win it. And I'm like, oh, great, minus 120 cash. Like, it just doesn't feel worth it. Uh, but in this case, like, the total is high. And yep. um, the home villa has defended better, if, if, if anything. So, you know, can they catch Holland offside a bunch of times? Can they stop City from constantly destroying them? We have not seen home villa Emery against this pep team yet. They played in the spring. It was at the Etihad. It was 3.4 XG. It was 22 shots, 16 of them by City. It was total one-way traffic. But again, it wasn't this version of City, which is just not a great attacking side right now. I mean, they barely got over one XG against Liverpool at home, and and uh, I know they were great today against Spurs, but that Spurs defense was taking every chance in the book and throwing numbers forward. So kind of made it easy for City to get a bunch of chances. So yeah, I, I, I lean under here, and, and if, uh, if we got a better number, I'd take City, but the number's nowhere near where I take City. I need like 110, 120 to play them. Fast becoming a team of the podcast, Wolverhampton 
odds on at home, minus 125, uh, hosting Burnley. Uh, we're plus 333 at bet 365. Uh, the draw here is plus 275. We brought it up off the top of the show. Bring it up again. Uh, betting is a is a very funny, fickle thing because we we love this Wolves team. We love the way that they uh, have the potential to punch up. Arsenal stole a win against them. Yeah. Over the weekend. Really? <laughs> um, but this price is way too short. Uh, for for Wolverhampton, uh, Burnley looks cheap. Burnley looks fun here, and the the way to play this Burnley side has been that like the, the their identity under Vincent Company is they're going to try to outplay you. They're going to try to put the ball on the carpet, knock it around, press you, and play this high risk, high reward uh, kamikaze ball, and it will work uh, from time to time against lesser opposition. Uh, case in point. Sheffield United, uh, case in point, what we saw all last year last year in uh, the championship. Wolverhampton, I think, is solid mid table or like you know lower mid table Premier League side under Gary O'Neill, and we like them as we like the way they profile punching up. But this situation is just not where you want to lay it with Wolves, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I'll make the play on Burnley here, BJ. I think. Uh, we hate this team. Yeah, this is such a fun week um, to yeah, like, we're every team, yeah, every everything team I've like. said, all these negative things I've said about Burnley over and over again, and now I have to sugarcoat it and try to make it sound good, which I think I have a good spin zone here is because, listen, from a spot perspective, this is a great spot for, for Burnley because they are improving. Like, they are getting better. They've played a really difficult schedule at the beginning of the season, and now and they're starting to face teams near them in the bottom of the table, they actually have been playing pretty well. They played five matches against the bottom nine teams in the Premier League, and they actually have a plus 0.3 expected goal differential against those. And uh, they, all those matches outside of, obviously, they drubbed uh, Sheffield Wednesday 5-0 on Saturday. But the other four matches, the expected goals was basically even in all four of them. Now, Wolves will be getting Jao Gomez and Mario Lamina back, which is fine. But it looks like Jose Sa is also questionable to play in this match. That's going to leave Daniel Bentley potentially in net. He spent pretty much his entire career in the lower leagues. Spent the last three or four years with Bristol City. Minus 5.2 post-shot XG plus minus. So if Sa is out, it'll be a pretty significant downgrading goal. And the biggest question here with Burnley, my guess is they're probably going to control the majority of the possession in this match. And Wolves is probably going to sit off, which would be their best method of attack. Now. Does Burnley get beat up in that? Are they able to actually play through that type of pressure? Um, we'll see. But from a Wolves perspective, like you mentioned, Michael, they're giant killers this season. They've beaten both Tottenham and City, but they have not profiled well as a favorite at all. They have played, they've only won one match where they were playing even strength for a full 90 minutes, you know, because they played Bournemouth, beat them 2 1, and got a red card. And that one match they beat against a team in the bottom half of the table was Everton, the third uh, week of the season. And we remember that match. It was very, very even, and Wolves just scored late and could have gone really could have gone either way. And in fact, they have played five, excuse me, six matches against teams in the bottom half of the table. They have a minus 2.1 expected goal differential. So if, you know, if Gary O'Neill decides that he's going to let Burnley have the ball and, and dare then break them down and press them high, then yes, that is a, te- a dangerous game to play with Burnley. But laying this number with Wolves, it's just a little too high. So uh, I do, given Burnley's improving underlying performances against the bottom half of the table, I do like them plus a half uh, at even money. Easiest pass on the board for me. I think the number's right, and I I don't really have a strong take on this. You guys are now all of a sudden Burnley fans. Like three days ago, I couldn't get you guys to lay 110 against Sheffield at home. <laughs> and and now you guys are advocating for Burnley. So this is a fascinating plot twist that I'm appreciating, but uh, this is a pass for me. This is why I hate betting so much. <laughs> it's, it's funny why we hate how it. that works. <laughs> I really do. Now I'm going to have to bet on United and Burnley this week. It's just... Hey, maybe Luton Town, BJ. No, gosh. Uh, they're 14-1 they're at home hosting your Arsenal. Talk about easiest top, pass on the board. Top of the table. Arsenal is minus 500. Uh, the draw is plus 550 here. This, uh, tell me if this point makes sense. It feels like Arsenal's playing a lot like City did, uh, 
pre-last year. Very pragmatic, mind always about. Their mind is always on killing a game, like just, just anaconda-ing, suffocating a game, rather than let's beat this, let's, let's score the, you know, the, the killing goal, the game killer. Yeah. That's been true of most of the Arteta era. Yeah. Um, and that City team, once a year, would stumble against a team as a gigantic favorite. Because if you play like that and you don't have your shooting boots on or the other team gets a lucky break, maybe there's just a weird defensive breakdown. Maybe Ederson kicks the ball to the wrong team. You leave yourself susceptible to that because you might just not score your way out of a problem like that because the way that your team is that the team identity is so i'm not saying that i like luton town he I'm, I'm so close to betting it like they're 14 one they're at home and i just don't trust this art like the arsenal pummels teams i get it but like their profile still doesn't scream like a team that i would want to i would i'd be afraid of uh here i also think the draws lie i think that this and luton Drew, I mean, they drew Liverpool at home. Like, this is a feisty bunch. They're go, you know what they're gonna, their, uh, their strategy is gonna be here, which is from the second the game kicks off, they're gonna want it to be a rock fight and make this one miserable. And this is a bad schedule spot for Arsenal. Like, this is, this is a lot of soccer piling up on, uh, on this team. So, I guess I could just look at the double chance, but. No, Michael, here, I have a lottery ticket for you. Um, because Luton Town's got City coming up next at home. So if you really want to... you want me to roll? Do you want you me to roll? roll to, yeah, you, now that line's you want me to roll it? And Luton's 20 to 1 at home, so... Yeah, uh, well, that, but that's my point. Is like, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be... I'm not afraid of betting this Luton Town team against either I one am. of these opponents coming this way. I'm very afraid. Their defense is so bad against good teams. Like, if, yeah. if you go through it, Four to four expected goals to Brighton, two point two to Chelsea, two point nine to Everton, two point nine to Forest, two point three to Villa, two point six to Liverpool, two point two to United, and you know over three to Brentford this weekend. They're just, I love them to death. I haven't bet on them in a few weeks because they just keep playing good teams or teams that you know potentially aren't overvalued, but they just can't stop anybody that to play through the middle of the pitch. So that's what Arsenal they has been struggling with. Need so this to be a good match for them to do it. They're not going to need to stop anybody here. <laughs> well, okay, so we need to ask the question, right? Because Arsenal scored five of their first eight shots against Lawn and then scored their first two against Wolves. Uh, if you just watch the game, they certainly looked better. More fluid, less struggle ball, more dynamic. Uh, Jesus making a huge difference. Odegaard making that late run into the penalty area that was like the defining goal of Arsenal's season last year. And he did it like never this year until Saturday against Wolves when they get the cut back to the to like the ten yard area and then Odegaard put it away. Is Arsenal back? Are they yeah. back, BJ? They've been back for a long time, Anthony. They no, no, that's not true. No, they played, they, I don't think you can watch Arsenal like the first eight matches, ten matches, and say that they're the same team that played see, the last this is, two. This is, that being said, this though, why, they, they, their defense has been incredible all season long. And yes, they right, have yeah. the best offense, but. Again, I will say it from, from get-go. It's like Arsenal wasn't a worse team. They were just a different team than they were last year. They were worse. No, Worse in terms of competing no, for the challenge for the title, no. yes. No, their defense was significantly better. And that's, and that's what made them different, not significantly worse. And yes, the offense was bad. But again, we talked about it many times. It's just they had problems playing through centrally. And from what I've seen is they have done a better job of inverting Zinchenko into the middle of the pitch. And they've been... Obviously, uh, Trossard has been playing as an eight, trying to get forward, which has helped out Odegaard, I think, comparatively to Kai Havertz. So um, I think there's been a, a much, you know, it kind of takes me back to the match against Sevilla. They've been making a, a much more poignant effort to try and play through centrally instead of just taking the easy ball out wide. And it's been working. So we'll see if that continues. I'm hoping it will. You know, Luton's one of the, easiest teams to play through the middle against in the Premier League. So we'll see. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I really just don't really trust this defense. It's two at home. I'm it's definitely not betting Arsenal Liverpool. here. I'm not, I, 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 I may not be betting Arsenal for a long time. I'm just putting that out there. Just like based on where the market is and where I generally feel about this team, I'm kind of going to be the low man 
but I, that doesn't mean I have to bet against them, right? I think you know. Well, you know, you for that reason, I'm going to. Man, they got they got to go to Villa uh, this weekend. We'll <laughs> see how they look against our against City this week. Uh, come on, you'll be on PSV in the final day of the Champions League. Come on, they're plus a half, like minus one ten. It's not even. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what the number looks like, what the lineups may look like. Who knows? Uh, given the Arsenal's going to play nine matches in December, seven yeah, Premier and, League, and, one and, EFL Cup, one Champions League. If Arteta plays anybody in that match, I will strongly question his managerial quality. <laughs> they have a tough, seriously though, tough it's, a dead rubber. it's a dead rubber. Play the kids. Yeah. Let's get some well, uh, I mean, after... Smith Rowe and and uh, Kiwior and Eddie Nketiah can get some run. Um, after PSV, they got Brighton and Liverpool back to back. Yeah, and that's the moment, right? Like, if they yeah. win those matches, then we're going to get a really good number on City to win the league. Oh, stop it! And if they don't, then we're probably going to have the other. I'm probably going to have the other side and at least one of them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Luton or draw for me. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, this is going to be a miserable. Watching... This just screams like a, a miserable, miserable game. Just it's like Arsenal four nothing, just dropping. Well, they their last four, Maybe. so they've been so dominant in this late run here. So many of those games were at home. Uh, they played four of their last five at home. The only away game was the only game they didn't dominate. That was the away game at Brentford, and they played some really shitty teams. In yeah, this they stretch. haven't played anybody. They haven't played but, anyone but, since, since. But also, Luton is a really shitty team. I know. I know. Uh, Newsflash. And, and Luton have I, they, they haven't gotten a lot of the big teams at they, home, right? They played at Brighton. They played at Chelsea. One. They played at Villa. They, they, played United. Liverpool they played Liverpool at home, at home and drew. Just absolutely destroyed by both of them. Yeah, and I bet them in the first one and didn't feel great about. We won the bet, but it was it was a luck box. We yeah. got a red card, and yeah, you're gonna need to get lucky with this team. Like, it, it, well, not if I'm what it is. taking two plus minus one ten. You know, yeah, I guess. <clears throat> uh, okay, Luton to score first, maybe. Maybe Luton, Luton plus two and a half live when they go down one nil. That, that that's probably the best way. Arsenal go in, they get the goal, and then they just pretend to, they just like stop playing the match and hope the other team agrees. Yeah. And then Wolves or like Luton score a late goal, and everybody, and then they have to like panic for 10 minutes because all of a sudden the match is on. That's like probably the interesting way to play this. You can just join me on either Luton or the drop. We'll figure it out. Okay. Brighton and Brentford next. Brighton's odds on minus 110 favorite at home. Uh, Brentford traveling plus 275, and uh, the draw is plus 280. Two teams that we've we've uh, combined to probably make the most money on uh, as a podcast, at least in the Premier League, Champions League with that Via Real run, maybe gives us a run for the for its money. But uh, with the way these two teams are going, this one is pretty easy to to make a bet on here. I think. Uh, I agree. Yes. Yeah, so I it, just it think like, like yeah. I don't think Brighton's good enough to be. Uh, an odds-on favorite against a, a good Premier League team right now, even at home. The, this is the darling bowl, right? We've loved both of these teams for so yeah, long. And, and This is my least favorite match in the entire season. I hate this match. But from a tactical perspective, I, I, I have to credit Thomas Frank here because the Brentford we're watching this year is different from the one we're watching last year. The Brentford we're watching this year is different from the one that we watched last year and the one that we watched in the championship or didn't watch and, you know, in my case, just like went back and did homework on once they got promoted because I started caring. The Brentford in the in the championship was a possession based team who didn't look like they'd cut it defensively in the prem. They got to the prem and they became a completely different team with mostly the same players and became this defense counterattack set piece elite team. And this year, their defensive numbers have taken a bit of a dip, but their attacks better. They're playing this four three three. BJ's talked about the formation change. Neil Malpe has come in and gotten them actual production. Uh, of course, Wisa and Mbwemo have been good. They're more on the front foot and more willing to play a basketball-style match than the past Brentford teams. And this Brighton team, they're actually different too in the sense that they've slowed the matches down. I mean, if you look at Brighton and where they fit on the chart, uh, the analyst has a really good chart. It's like, uh, are you a fast direct team like Everton or Luton, or are you a slow intricate team? Like City is always in the bottom right corner of the chart. The next team is not Arsenal, which you might expect. But it's it's Brighton and Arsenal kind of like in the same grouping. And I think that's kind of foretelling because when we saw the Brighton at their best, they were able to get these transition moments and look so dynamic in space. They don't have that space anymore. They're, they've been slowed down by the Prem. And I think BJ's talked about this, like 
teams aren't taking the bait. They're not pressing as much. Guess who's not going to press? Brentford. <laughs> and I think, you know, from a defensive perspective, who's better? Brentford. From an attacking perspective, this season, Brentford have more expected goals created and non-penalty. Do I think they're better in attack? No. But they're better on set pieces. Brighton has struggled defensively on set pieces in a major way. They gave up two goals just today against Chelsea. Uh, I think there's going to be opportunities for Brentford on the break here. You go back to last year, Brighton at its peak, peak, like we're creating like eight expected goals a match. Couldn't, you know, they closed minus 145. They needed a late McAllister penalty to get the draw. They created over four expected goals in total, three and a third uh, non-penalty. But Brentford was constantly threatening on the break. They created almost two themselves. And given their style, uh, they're going to give up more shots in this match, sure. But the quality is going to be at the other end. So I like I like Brentford here, plus a half uh, in our podcast derby, we're calling it. Um, because I just think that there's more holes in this Brighton transition defense. And Brentford is well-built to exploit them maybe better than any other team uh, right now. So I like the bees. I kind of like the under, quite frankly. The under's a three. Um, given what we've seen from certain teams that have played against Brighton, and we've seen a lot of low block teams play against them. And yeah, I have been mentioning it and that Deserby has one plan. There's plan A and there's not a plan B because, you know, quite frankly, plan A has been working really well and been very good for a long time. So why even have a plan B? They have played against Fulham, Everton, Sheffield United, and Nottingham Forest. In every single one of those matches, outside of you know the Sheffield United match, there was a red card, uh, and Sheffield played up a man and created a big chance at the very end. But none of those matches have come even close to over two and a half expected goals because teams are just limiting central progression. Brighton's trying to overload the center part of the pitch, and it just becomes this stalemate for all ninety minutes. And like, yeah, Anthony's right. What you know, Brentford's just going to sit there. They're not going to come out and press them. They're just going to limit that central progression, and they're just going to say, you have to swing it out wide, and you have to beat us there. Which, you know, right now, Deserby's been inverting Mitoma uh, and Adrinka quite a bit. So it's, yeah, it's, I might end up just taking the under. I don't have any projected value on it, quite frankly, because this is a very, you know, very recent thing that's happened with Brighton. And if you use, obviously, data from a very long stretch of time, they've been playing these high-scoring matches. In fact, I did see today that Brighton is the first team since Wolves in the 1930s to uh, score and concede in every single match to begin their season, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but again, I mean, they haven't really been creating that many chances against these low blocks. So I'm going to stare at the under a long, long time this week uh, and think about playing it because given what we've seen recently from Brighton, this match has the potential to be very, very boring and a stalemate for a very, very long time. And especially if Brentford gets a transition attack and scores and goes up, then they're really, really going to sit in. And I'm not sure Brighton's capable right now, given what we've seen of breaking them down. Okay, so Brentford uh, for Anthony and myself and DJ will take a look at the under. He'll just stare at it and stare at well, it. Well, yeah, because like it. Anthony said, like none of these matches ever go under anymore. So that's why I have to stare at it. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Okay, uh, before we get to our next match, a reminder about our friends at Caldera Lab. It's the holiday season. Uh, the holiday season is right around the corner. 
things are going to get busy, but don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. And that's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. One minute in the morning, one minute at night. It can be all the difference you need for clearer skin. These guys are the best in the skincare game, and with an easy routine, they will keep your face looking fresh no matter your schedule and no matter if you're going to join me uh, betting against Arsenal with, with Lutontown on Wednesday, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday. And the best part is it's just three steps. The first one is the clean slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. The second one is the base layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. The third is the good, which is an eye serum you can put on at night to help keep your skin looking tighter and smoother. So join the 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab right now and show your best self this holiday season. And just for our listeners, we have an exclusive deal. Use the code GOAL, G-O-A-L, at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code GOAL at calderalab.com. Make unforgettable first impressions with Caldera Lab. Crystal Palace of Bournemouth. Up next, this one will be at Selhurst Pars. Um, My cherries. Your cherries, Anthony. We we told you when they were struggling early on in the year. Like this, 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 stick with Iriola. Stick with Iriola. They'll come around uh, and look we out. Beat Newcastle. We got a unbeaten, a deserved draw. Unbeaten, unbeaten in three with win-win draw. Uh, three wins and a draw in their last five. Charging up the table, leaving Everton in their in their dust. Uh, now they they go to Palace uh, as a plus. 230 underdog palace plus 115 and the draw is plus 250 are we buying high yeah I, yeah i, I mean I, this market says i don't want to bet teams. team this is this is you want to talk about easiest pass on the board this just one yeah as they they're talking about a quick return but that quick return will not be this week uh Bournemouth, like, finally healthy, finally putting some pieces together, finally figuring out this press. It's a good matchup for them because the team isn't going to press them back. They're going to let them have the ball and, and do their own pressing, and I think it, it, it's a decent matchup for Bournemouth. But, like, to market, I thought I would get, like, a clean plus a half and maybe consider it. Consider it. Even then, I'm I'm not there. I still like this, this Palace team enough um, that this is the easiest pass on the board, and I don't really want to spend much time talking about this because we will get some fun Bournemouth spots coming up, just not this one. That, uh, that's good enough for me for this one. Fulham and Forest will stay in London here. Uh, Fulham's plus 110 hosting Nottingham Forest coming off of a 1-0 defeat to Everton at home this weekend. Uh, Forest plus 280 and the draw here is plus 240. I, I like Forest here. Like, I, yeah. This is, this is pretty simple. I know that, you know, their, their form's not great. They've lost four or five, three in a row. Um, not the type of team that we, we love to, to back on the road, uh, but this Fulham team still like they're they're still so poor defensively, or they're so poor enough defensively that I don't really care who the opposition is in the Premier League. Maybe outside of one particular team, um, if they're this, if the, if you're getting this, if you're dealing this big of a number to go against them, especially with a team like Forest that's competent, uh, we we are now on close to what fifty ish 60 ish games uh getting close to you know 50 55 games of data on forest in the premier league like they're fine i think they're kind of on level footing with fulham yeah so, no t- I, so i when he's out for a while now uh yeah. he's going under the knife the injury they tried to play him through got worse that's a big loss for this team because i do think it fits well into what they want to do but uh, the key here and the, i think the key kind of statistic is that fulham has been the least efficient team at turning Box final third entries into box entries. They have not been good uh, at getting those final balls in and consistently getting shots out of it. Uh, they've been very good at scoring and converting chances when they do finally get there, finishing well above their XG, but the shots just aren't there. And they, we have to credit Marco Silva because he's done a hell of a job given the talent. The fact they have no goal scorers, the fact they don't have a striker, and they get these midfield runs and nobody ever picks them up. They they worked against Liverpool uh, consistently against Wolves. They're getting these late runs from Iwobi and from Pereira, and it works when they're able to really tilt the field on teams. But they're still not good at getting the ball into the area because they have no real striker who's not washed because Raul plays, but he doesn't get ever ever get the shots. Uh, it was alarming today, just like watching him specifically closely 
um, because I had Liverpool Fulham on the main screen this morning. Like, you know, he gets one shot a game, and it's never good. Uh, Vinicius isn't better, and Muniz is out. Willian comes in. Like, he's not giving them a ton either. So this whole attack is, can we overwhelm you enough to get our one or two really good moments, be really precise in those moments, get into the box, get our goals, and then get out? And it has worked, and credit Silva for it, but, like, it still feels so fragile. Compared to Forrest, who have the opposite problem, where, like, defensively, they're going to let you have the ball, but they're not going to let you in their penalty area. And they've actually done a decent job of it. When matches don't become transitional, they're pretty good. Uh, they're allowing the, the most final third entries. They have the lowest pass per defensive action. But they're only 10th in non-penalty XG allowed. So it's been a defense that's done a job uh, of protecting the box. And so with more numbers in the box, maybe that will keep them from Fulham getting all those late runners and getting all those big chances from there. And uh, Forrest has better XG differential. differential. Uh, I just really don't like this Fulham team, and I know I bet against them a lot. I just think that this whole system is so fragile and incredibly reliant on an attacking style that doesn't feel like it's going to continue to translate. And we've seen it. I mean, they have the, some of the lowest XG can, you know, produced in the league. They got two goals today, the first two goals. I really thought the goalie should have saved both, uh, Kelleher. And we'll talk about Liverpool in a second. But like they, they didn't really look dangerous to me on, on the break. It was more just like we got four really good attacks and happened to score two of them, and all of a sudden the game's 2-2. Two, two. Uh, so defensively, I didn't think they were terrible today, but uh, attack-wise, there's just nothing there. Uh, and that's dangerous as a favorite against a good box defense in Forest. Yeah, so Fulham has been a favorite three times this season. They beat Luton Town 1-0. They lost the XG battle. They beat the worst team in the Premier League, Sheffield United, 3-1. And then they beat Wolves on Monday. And they got two penalties. And one cross to Awobi, like Anthony mentioned. It's just those three, and then that's the difference. So now, like Anthony already mentioned, he hit the nail on the head, is now Fulham's going to be tasked with them having the ball and having to break down a low block, which I think this match is going to play out very, very similar to what we just saw with Everton and Nottingham Forest, which is a match for, let's just say, the old heads out there, old-style old Route 1 football. I mean, Michael, that second half, Everton, Nottingham Forest was is painful at times to watch. Nobody can sustain sustained possession. It was just cross after cross after cross. Just nobody could really do anything. And then, you know, Dwight McNeil just hits one great ball and back in the net, and that's the difference. But, you know, the XG was very even in that match. So I think we're going to see something similar here. A very cagey affair for a long stretches. And it's really, like Anthony said, it's going to come down to can Fulham continually finish off the chances and continually finish above their XG, which against the, one of the best slow blocks in terms of preventing teams from getting in their penalty area, I'm not so sure they can do that. So I'm with you guys. Nottingham Forest plus a half, minus 120. Yep, Forest money line uh, for me. No problem going against this Fulham team uh, at these kind of prices. Do we need to talk about Sheffield United and uh, Liverpool? Uh, Just don't Sheff- tell the listeners to bet them again. That was that was really bad. They were dead in a minute. and. There's no reprieve for me. Like Liverpool's been really bad away from home, relatively speaking. I'll tell you what, though, it is fun when you bet the the good teams. I did that today, and I lost minus one and a half on Liverpool. But like, oh, boy, the- when they play like shit for like thirty minutes, because usually I have the dog, right? And I have the dog. They're playing like shit, or they're playing really well. The, the favorites playing like shit, and then the, the one of the really really good players on the favorite team just does something, and I'm just like fuck. Like they, they 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 hit a banger. They play a pass. No way should it work, but it works. And then today, like I had Liverpool, and I'm like, man, they stink. They're playing terrible. And then all of a sudden, Trent hits a free kick from 30 yards. McAllister hits a 35 yard screamer, and I'm like, oh, I got a chance to win this bet, even though I have no business winning it. And then of course I didn't. But I think you know this Liverpool team, the downgrade from from Allison to Kelleher is 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 large, and they really are are risky as a result. But like Sheffield United. Uh, is they're, they're, we don't we haven't hit the bottom yet? Yeah, I, are they even bettable at this point in, in any no capacity? They they don't even have an attacking player that you can point to and you could say, well, that player is really good. They could do something. I mean, they they signed Cameron Archer from uh, Middlesbrough. They did against he's like they did a point zero nine xg per ninety. Like it's just Oliver and Bernie. Like that. He was the it. best he's player in this match. So Archer <laughs> was, Archer was so good for. against Everton. Oh my gosh! This is—I will say though—this is pretty much the same price that Liverpool was at Luton Town. 
So take that what for what Sheffield's you, worse. And Sheffield's we were worse. wrong on that. I think. Well, I mean, there were warning signs that they could yeah. be worse. They didn't. They they got worse in the window. They had numbers that didn't really make sense in the championship. Like we were like this team is like tenth in possession in the championship. How like they they never have the ball in the box. Yeah. So like, is that and, ever going to work in the Prem? We weren't sure. We were like, well, maybe, but it turns out they're worse. And uh, also, Liverpool has the injuries. So if all everybody was healthy, I'm sure Liverpool would be a higher ranks. So it does bring up a fun betting um, exercise. Something to think about too is like we we talk about this on on Line Change, the hockey podcast, a bunch. Like when the roller coaster ride of betting a bad hockey team or bad soccer team, the underdog going up three one or in soccer like one nil. The stress of um, having to hold on for, to that lead, and 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 you got a white knuckle on the couch and and just survive a storm, versus going the other way, which is laying a number on a favorite and the stress you'd feel going down early, and then having to be on the other side of it, and which is worse, and it's just fun to think about. Um, I'll tell you what, it's all it's all painful and. Stressful. Like, <laughs> it's all, all of it is. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Just bet, betting darts is is never, never painful. We'll we'll be talking some darts uh, as we get closer. Uh, to. The thing about it is, and I do this with over unders a lot. Like for like Inter Benfica uh, last week in the Champions League, I had over two and a half, and it was two nil inside fifteen minutes. But then we got to like the thirty third minute, and they hadn't scored yet, and I was just like in my head, I'm like, this is gonna lose. Like it's gonna end two nil. <laughs> but but when it's the other way around, and I have the under, like it could. I, if I have the under two and a half. And it's two nil after thirty eight minutes. Oh, just in my take... mind, I'm like, I'm like, I'm still winning. No, until see, that I, goal I, goes I, in, I'm winning. So I don't pay attention. Psychology thing. I move on. See, I've tried to be better this season uh, about not panicking when you fall behind or and everything like that. I've tried just to like yeah. stay calm and say like it's a long match. Like things I don't can... even celebrate when I go ahead anymore because I've had so many late losers this year. Anything. Oh, no, see, people, I'm gonna celebrate? tell people right now. Okay, I've changed my attitude this season. Celebrate. The goals, laugh at the ones that go against you, and then you'll have a much better. Experience. I generally agree, but Sounds I bet like all one of unders those, uh, posters that you'd see. Yeah, at like a, a my unders and underdogs card. Yeah. When it when it when all the games start at the same time, like I have like five bets. Let's say there's five games, I have like two or three bets. I'm pretty much always like, I don't want to ever get a goal alert. If I don't get a single goal alert today, I've had a good day because the underdogs and the unders probably did well. Yeah. When I just keep getting bad, like like uh, yeah. earlier today when. Liverpool scored, but then also Villa scored, but then also West Ham scored, like all in the same minute. I was like, shoot, like that's actually net negative for me. Like I'm like I'm like I didn't want any of those goals to be scored. Just yeah. don't give me any goals. We don't like so, goals being scored. It's a fun challenge. That's just basically the just a thing. That's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it's the beauty of our podcast. Uh, we can't promise, except in this next match, which I will yeah. be rooting for goals. Yes, we can't promise to make you like soccer more. Uh, we will promise to make you feel something, though. And feel something we will. In uh, Everton and Newcastle, the Toffees hosting the Magpies. Uh, Everton plus 220 on the three-way line. Newcastle plus 130, and the draw is plus, two, uh, excuse me, yeah, plus 225. What a, what a clinical, professional effort from both of these teams over the weekend. Like, they did exactly what they needed to do, I think, is the perfect way to put how they played. Uh, against Manchester United and, and Nottingham Forest, respectively. And I think you guys are onto something. This one feels like it could get very funky. Very, 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 very funky. With Everton at home, with that that raucous atmosphere, Anthony Gordon's return. Like, this this could be a weird one. Um, a, Like, a real fun... I hope it's raining. I hope it's just lashing rain. Uh, and, and we'll see some, you know... If, the once or twice a season four three five four kind of weird four four tie um that, that gets dealt to us because it, it does feel like this thing of all the matches on the board this one probably has the most ranges the, the widest range of outcomes pj yeah so coming into this match i actually showed quite a bit of value on newcastle but given the improvements from everton and the injuries for newcastle um i don't really like playing that but i am showing a lot of value on the over and when i th- first thought about it tactically i was like I think Everton's just going to hand on the ball and they're not going to dare him to break him down. And I'm not sure Newcastle's really going to be able to do that. But as I look through the data, there's only been three matches in the Premier League this season where a Newcastle match has had under two and a half expected goals created. It was against City, Brentford, and Arsenal. The City and Arsenal matches, you know, those are the two of the best ball control teams in the Premier League. Very, very conservative approaches from both teams. 
And then Brentford's the best low block team and basically just dared Newcastle to break them down. They really couldn't do it. But every other match has just evolved into chaos. And it's something I've been saying over and over on this podcast is that teams get drawn into this transitional battle with Newcastle because either they're not good enough to build out of the back, so they have to send the ball long and it just becomes this back and forth transitional match, which I'm expecting this one to be. Um, but there is a chance that Everton just sits in a 4-4-1-1 and just like says, hey, like I dare you to break us down. Um, that's the worry here, obviously. But when you look at the Newcastle team, Given the injuries some of they have, you know, no Sean Longstaff, that's one of their best ball stoppers in the middle of the pitch. You know, Lewis yep. Miley has done great in that role, but he's not really a ball stopper either. You know, Lascelles and Shar have done great as a center back pairing, but, you know, Boatman's still out. Dan Byrne is obviously, you know, an incredible defender at left at left back. Lermento's been played really, really good. But again, stopping teams in transition, you would prefer to have these type of guys over what Newcastle is playing right now. And obviously Nick Pope is also injured as well. So there is... Some defensive question marks for Newcastle of how they stop Everton in transition with Michael. I hate to say it, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin's injured again. He did not play against Nottingham Forest. Bato is great. He is great for this type of role. He's a really, really good transition forward who can get in behind defenses. And my question is, is is Everton good enough in their low block to stop Newcastle? Because Brentford's been really the only team that's been able to stop them at full strength. Uh, and I'm not sure Everton really is, you know, the defensive performances have been good uh, against certain teams, but in a match like this, I feel like it's going to be just transition basketball back and forth. And especially if Newcastle scores first, then we get this crazy back and forth type match. So uh, projected a little over three goals for this match. So I do like over two and a half at minus minus one twenty-five. Um, purely kind of just a numbers play and given the personnel we have on the field, I'm not sure there's enough ball stopping for Newcastle to stop Everton in transition. Yeah, and Everton's best ball stopper is Onana. He's likely out here. Yep. Uh, Everton's second in direct attacking speed. They're going to bypass the Newcastle press. I wrote in my notes, quite literally, this is the quote, basketball game of the week. Neither team yep. wastes time in possession. Both teams want to have, uh, they're going to send the ball forward immediately. There's not going to be a lot of like cycling the ball through, wasting time. Uh, and I think that all translates to the over. So I agree entirely, and I like the over. All right, fun one. Goodison Park, like I said, good atmosphere. Uh, to be expected. All right, we'll wrap up with Spurs and West Ham. London Derby. Uh, Spurs minus 134 at home. The Hammers traveling at plus 320, and the draws also uh, plus 320. I don't think uh, I'm going to be laying it here with Spurs. West Ham drive me insane. So uh, their defending is so their defending is so bad. Yeah, this is Mavropanos was trying to give up goals. And then eventually he was like, all right, it's not working. I'm just going to pass directly to Edward and see what happens. <laughs> and then eventually he scored. I mean, it was unbelievable how bad their center backs have been. Uh, Zuma goes out, and like I was like, oh, maybe their defense will be better because like, it can't be worse. But like it was worse. Uh, I think this is a really bad matchup for West Ham because I think Spurs can take advantage of the scheme with their ability to press and just keep West Ham penned in. And I think Spurs will take advantage of the fact that Ward-Prowse does nothing in the midfield when he doesn't have the ball. Uh, I think that's a problem for them. They do get Richarlison back. He came out as a sub. I think he may start now. Brian Heal is terrible, so him getting out is an upgrade for them. That's nice. Romero's back from suspension. They're going to have three capable defenders instead of two in their defense, maybe one at times. Um, and Lo has been really impressive, and I think that's a credit to Ange. So I actually am buying low on Spurs here if I can get minus 120. So that's my buy price. Right now I'm passing, but if it gets to minus 120 at home, I just think that's short. And I've been kind of a skeptic of Spurs, but I think this is a friendly matchup for them to kind of get a couple of goals and dare West Ham to match them. Spurs set piece defense has been okay, not great, but okay. Uh, so I like Spurs at home, but again, I need a little bit better of a number for me to bet. Yeah. You know, Michael, I was thinking about this match and, you know, sometimes the plays in your playbook just aren't working. So you got to go to somebody else's playbook. So I went to the Debundo playbook for this one. Over two and a half, both teams to score, minus 138. West Ham is conceding 1.8 expected goals per 90 minutes. That's outrageously large, especially in this type of match where the aggression level is going to be turned up quite high. Spurs is going to press them. They're going to press them relentlessly, and they're going to try to win the ball back. West Ham is probably just going to send the ball long. The thing that worries me here for Spurs is obviously Ange wants to build out a 2-3-5. Romero being back is great, but... Van de Ven, what he was so good at is because he had such, not only is he a great defender in space, 
but he was so fast. Like he could stop any type of attacker that was going forward. Well, the downgrade from him would surely either be, I guess probably Ben Davies at left center back would, would be the best reliable option. Who is playing out there at right wing for West Ham who can cause all types of havoc and chaos? It's Kudus, who is honestly their best player at this point. Uh, and that's the worry here for Tottenham, is that when they decide to press and West Ham just tries to go over the top and evade that, they have a lot of really pacey attackers that can cause a lot of problems for Spurs' back line. So I think this match just is going to turn into complete chaos. Um, I don't really like the prices on over three or both teams to score. So I'm just going to the Debundo playbook. Over two and a half and both teams to score. Minus 138. The Debundo uh, playbook. Love to see it. Uh, all right. Real quick before we get to underdogs uh, and best bets. Anthony, you wanted to talk about uh, the DFB Pokal. Yeah, I actually have three bets. Uh, I like Stuttgart at home, plus 125 against Dortmund. Not a dissimilar spot to the one we bet a few weeks ago. We have to pay a little bit more now, but I'm still okay betting it. don't think Dortmund will care. They're in the Champions League. They have that next week. Like, I think this is a good spot to get Stuttgart at home where they've been the better, much better team. I like Gladbach, plus 120 at home against Wolfsburg. Again, this Gladbach attack is really figuring some things out. I, I still think Wolfsburg away from home have been an absolute disaster this year. Uh, and then I like our boys Hamburger at Berlin. Uh, draw no bet minus one ten. I think uh, if you follow this pod, you know we like this team. We we keep hoping they come up in the in the Bundesliga too. They keep getting into the playoff and losing, but they're uh, in a much better trend line than than Hertha. So uh, I like those three in the in the Pokal on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I will say, Michael, I may have a couple plays on this, but I have some news dropping on Tuesday morning that people need to look out for. So I might have some plays for it, but. Just stay tuned to my Twitter and the Some action. unexpected news, perhaps. Some unexpected news coming on Tuesday for the people that hopefully... It's not nearly as exciting as we've just teased it. Yeah, it won't be that exciting. Actually, people will not be very bored with it. But it is news, nevertheless. Riveting. Riveting yeah. stuff. The first, the first teaser uh, in this podcast history. Uh, and you set it up beautifully. Uh, okay, underdog parlay time. Um, Losers only. Losers only. <laughs> we've we've started to. I used to I used to run an internal golf newsletter called Losers Weekly. So losers only is right up there with. It's a it's a great title. Um, Are we BJ. over nine, last three. No, I think like we had that. one. A couple weeks we're ago. due. We're due, and it's a, it. And this is the this is the one. <laughs> I'll start. Right, we'll go B. Brentford. Brentford three to one. I, I mean, I I talked about why I like them plus a half. I thus also like them on the money line. Brighton plays these high variance matchups. Brentford's been a great dog. We've probably featured them more than any other team. Uh, and I like them in this spot as well. Go Bees. Just short and slight. You know, we only have so much to work with. Yeah, I know. And you guys, you guys won't let me pick the one I really want to go with here. Because is... it keeps losing. Stop. Yeah, you need to stop betting against Arsenal. Stop betting line. against Arsenal. We're banning, we're banning you from taking it. It's really unfun for a third of this podcast. I don't yeah. even think it's fun because Arsenal, then I watch the match and uh, it's hopeless. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to go with Luton Town? No, you, no Luton Town. No Luton Town. And if they win, you guys... I will... I'll send I you... Won't, a, won't I'll, I will the, mail you an apology letter. You guys won't be on the podcast for... If Luton Town uh, wins, I will the, mail you a handwritten apology letter. I'll pay no, you, you one one will, thousandth of your bet. You guys will uh, both be banned from the podcast for... Through the festive fixture. I think it's a fair price to pay. Um, so with my hands tied, I'm going to have to go with Nottingham Forest. Uh, I thought he was going to say Sheffield. I thought he was going to say, she- <laughs> I thought he was going to say Sheffield. <laughs> Wish. No, I'll go Forest here. Um, uh, we made, we made all the points you need to like this fallen team just shouldn't, you should never really look at them when they're, we're a favorite. Um, and very little between these two teams. Uh, I, I think you could make a pretty fair argument that Nottingham Forest is better than Fulham. Yeah. So uh, this looks like a good number, plus 280 on the Tricky Trees, BJ. Burnley, plus 340. Uh, obviously, I already talked about them, but Burnley's been profiling pretty well as versus these teams in the bottom half of the table. Actually, have a positive expected goal differential in five matches. Well, Wolves potentially could be without Jose Sa. Probably still no Pedro Neto. And... Wolves hasn't profiled well as a favorite either this season, minus 2.1 expected goal differential. So a little bit inflated price here on Wolves. So Burnley plus 340. Uh, this one pays out right around 66 to 1. If you want to throw in another one with Luton Town instead oh. of uh, 
I said a four. Can't, so can't, that, can't, that, can't that, give it up. That was 243. Uh, okay, best bets for the midweek slate. I'll go first because I just talked about him. I'll stay with Forrest uh, on the money line. I think this is a great bet, great value on, on the tricky trees against a very vulnerable favorite, even at home in Fulham. BJ. Aston Villa, plus a half, plus 120 against Manchester City. Really, really tough run of fixtures here for City, who have had to play Chelsea, Liverpool, RB Leipzig, and Tottenham all back-to-back. And now they have to travel on the road to Aston Villa, who has won 13 straight Premier League matches at home. The game plan here for Aston Villa is pretty simple. They're going to sit in a very narrow 4-4-2 out of possession. They're going to limit that central progression, which City is not going to have Rodri. And that's very, very big for him because he leads them and passes into the final third and progressive passes. And the next closest guy is Kyle Walker, who's very, very far behind him. And the like-for-like swap, whether it's Rico Lewis or whether it's Kovacic, isn't the same type of player as Rodri. And also, City will be without Jack Relish and Jeremy Doku, who are their best outlets against Aston Villa's high lines. So it's a very, very difficult matchup here for City on the road. And Aston Villa has been a very, very good tactically, tactically versatile team. They've had 16 matches in a Emory where they've held under 50% possession, and they're 9-1-6 in those matches. So it's a good spot here for Villa at home where they've been so good. So like them plus a half at plus 120. Over 2.5, Everton, Newcastle minus 110. I think this is going to be very back and forth, very transitional. Newcastle has a way of doing that to teams. Everton is happy to play that style. Uh, Everton's defense has improved a good amount under Deich this year. Uh, but again, you know, we talked about this Newcastle team. They're do, they are missing some midfield players, and neither team wants to waste possession having it in their own final third. Or you know They're going to push forward consistently on both ends here. So over two and a half, I think it's a little bit low uh, here. All right, that does it uh, for the midweek fixtures. Uh, you will, of course, hear back from us again on Thursday as we preview uh, another weekend in the Premier League and beyond. And then we, you'll hear from us again on the following Monday uh, to wrap up the group stages of the Champions League as well. For Anthony DeBondo and BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Lebov. Thank you for listening to Wonder Gold. Thank you to our sponsors, Bet365 and Caldera Lab. And thank you to our hardworking, industrious producer, Noah, on the back end. We will see you all again in a few days. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.